From Traverse City, Michigan, this is Real Fairies Radio. In our experience, fairies are real, and we're here to talk about them. I'm Natalie Lynn, and this is my sister. And I'm Susan Hajar. And yes, they certainly are real. So, we said it. Fairies are real. To some of you, this is old news, especially those who are familiar with our website, realfairies.net. To others, this may be a bit out there, but we're hoping you'll keep an open mind as we take you on this journey. Welcome to our eighth podcast. After our seventh podcast, we decided we needed to take a break to finish our book, Interviews from the Fairy Realm. Recently, we were astonished to discover that people have listened to our show over 10,000 times. So, with our book nearing completion, we are excited to finally be able to be back here with you on a regular basis. We want to send a huge thank you to every one of you for your patience and your support during our hiatus. Today, Mr. E is going to start us off by straightening out a common misconception concerning fairies and angels. Next, Susan and I will share with you some pixie and dragon fun facts, as Susan calls them. Following that, Mr. E will give us a fascinating account of a tense encounter he had with a rare type of fairy being that he calls the bird people. And, as always, we will end the podcast with a few of your questions. If you have just happened upon this podcast and don't know who Mr. E is, or who we are for that matter, I urge you to listen to our first podcast entitled How It All Began. There, we explain our connection to Mr. E and the fairy realm and why he is here talking with us. That podcast and much more information can be found on our website, realfairies.net. All right, let's get started. Up first is a conversation I had yesterday with Mr. E. We've noticed over the years that some people seem to think that fairies are angels, or at the very least, related to them. Here's Mr. E setting the record straight. Can you tell us if fairies are angels, or if they're somehow connected? Well, that's a big misconception. For one, they're on different realms. The angels' realm, it's closer to the human realm, because that's what they like to watch over. Why are they so interested in humans? They're invested in the humans because they want to see the Earth survive as well. Angels stand for what is right, meaning what will bring most peace. What is going to make the people more peaceful, more happy? They're helping you with the search for happiness. And if it means to protect you, then they're protecting you. And some of them do protect, and some do other things. Sometimes they influence artists. There are all different kinds, you know, there's singing angels that are into the music and the rhythm of things. There are all kinds of different angels out there. Some are former humans. Are they attached to any particular type of religion? Actually, the truth of the matter is, they're not. What is their purpose? What are they looking for? They're looking for serenity and bliss, and they're trying to influence the secureness of humanity. Well, the human world has been filled with so much discord and upheaval lately that it's hard to imagine angels have had any impact. Right, I know, but part of it is that the people have to let them in. You have to say, okay, I need this angel. Could you please help me here? They need to call out for them, and some people have lost their faith in the all it is. The God Force energy? Yes, they lost their faith in it. They forgot it even exists. They think that getting up for work and drinking that coffee is the most important thing because they got to get that assignment done. You don't have seen. They're all trapped up into the into the undertow of life. And they forget that, oh, there's something bigger than this. 
much, much bigger than just your survival, you know. And so once you realize that and you want to call upon somebody out there, they're willing to help you. They're waiting and watching. They will not interfere unless they are asked. So, for the record, angels are not connected to the fairy realm, and fairies are not angels. No, fairies are not angels. Angels are not fairies. They're two different types of creatures entirely. We're different. But you know of angels. I know of them, and I can go and reach and communicate to them, because their realm is next to ours as well. So, they're not that far to reach. How do you reach them? In meditation? Yes. You never go to their realm? No, 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 no. But you can call out. I can call out to them mentally, and they will hear me. If you needed them for something, they would talk with you. Hmm, yes, and we both have the same interest right now in the humanity, so therefore they're more than willing to give us a hand with Mm -hmm. the humans and helping them realize what they need to do. I'm glad you were finally able to clear that up for us. Oh, yes, I think they just don't understand that these are two different energies entirely. Recently, as Susan and I were talking about what we wanted to include in this podcast, I mentioned hearing from the mother of an eight-year-old girl who had been eagerly awaiting our next episode. Well, we were overheard by both Queen Emerald, the ruler of the Pixie Nation of Finn, and Thorn, the leader of the Dragons of Baradorn, and they decided to offer some information they thought she, as well as others, might appreciate. Here is a small portion of our conversation. So you heard from Queen Emerald and Thorn. What did they have to say? They decided. There is a few fun facts that you might want to know about. Okay, let's start with Queen Emerald. Queen Em decided to give me some information when it comes to pixies and children in particular. Pixies are attracted to children because of their lightheartedness and the carefreeness about them. They're similar to the pixies and their mentality and their hyperness and excitement. They can relate to them in some way. They're enthusiastic, just like children are enthusiastic Uh and excited about something small. So pixies are attracted to things that you put on your windowsill because that's where they peek in the most of the time. Children can leave things that are shiny or some sort of offering for a pixie, and they will come by and appreciate it and take the energy from it, and you could start to establish a relationship with pixies that way. Would a fairy house fit into that? That would be perfect. Pixies are also very curious, and they often can't resist coming into our world to see what we're up to. Here's a small clip from our interview with Queen Emerald where she talks about what draws pixies here. There are times we'd like to come visit here to see what they're up to, because we're curious. We're very curious creatures. What are you curious about? Everything. How does that person do that? Are you talking about humans? Humans, um, animals, and other things that we see, you know? Um, and we just watch a lot. How long do you stay before you have to go back? Oh, we don't stay for very long. Five minutes or so, and then we like to leave. We prefer to stay on our side where the energy's right. It feels heavier here? Oh, very. It's harder to fly, but we still can do it. You're not as powerful here. No, no, no. But we still have our powers. Still oh, yeah. are able to see us sometimes. When people do see you, is it because you want them to, or is it accidental? It could be both. Are there humans that you pick out as interesting and want to check on from time to time? Yeah, it all depends on their vibration. They need to have something that we're interested in. What would draw you to a human? Hmm, conservation. Um... Kindness. What we call a good heart, but really a good spirit. Kindness towards other creatures. Not just other humans. Right, but other creatures especially. Then we'll consider talking to them. 
So I also recently heard from the leader of the Baradorn Dragons, Thorn, and Etherwings, which is his mate. They were telling me that their children grow very slowly, and it takes about 200 years for them to be mature enough to be out on their own. So for 200 years, that young dragon is, is going to be little for a while, and he grows very slowly. He's going to be constantly by their side, and they're going to be watching him. Yes. For 200 years. 200 years, because they live for thousands of yeah. years. So it's just a blip in time for them. Well, maybe, but it takes a lot of time to be watching that baby. Well, at least they've got Feeding. something to do. You know, oh, yeah. they have tendencies of being very bored a lot. They do. So it'll give them something to work on. I think they both take turns. Yes, oh. taking care of him. According to Thorne, dragons don't increase their numbers very often. So a baby dragon is a rather rare thing to begin with. In the following short excerpt from my interview with Thorne, he explains why. Earlier, you mentioned that there are small groups of dragons located all over your world. The reason that there aren't large groups of dragons is because... There's not enough food. So the dragons of Baradorn would starve to death if there were too many of them to sustain their numbers. We breed very carefully. Because of that. Oh, yes. Yes, breeding is very, very precise. We only start breeding when one has laid down and died. And sadly, that leaves an opening for a new life to come in. Right. So that must have happened fairly recently. Yes. Mr. E's world always seems to be filled with lots of interesting fairy beings. Today, we're going to talk with him about a rather anxious encounter he had with a type of being he calls bird people. But before we get to that, he's going to start by telling us a little bit about them. What can you tell me about the bird people? They live in the mountains, like where the dragons do, but they live like in holes in mountains. They're separate a little bit from everybody else. Have you ever talked to one? Yes. They communicate telepathically. They're like bird people. I mean, it's a cross between a human and a bird. What do they look like? They have claw feet. They've got wings and arms. And they have hands that have little claws on the ends of them. They've got sharp teeth and big eyes. Do their faces look human? Not so much. They're kind of humanish, but they're kind of not. What do their faces look like? They're kind of stretched out a little. Do they have a beak? It's like a beak, yes, almost. But it's, it's a little different. It's got feathers and flesh. They're very interesting looking. They're nothing like anything you've ever seen. Are they horrifying to look at? If you've never seen one before, they can be scary. So, how did this encounter happen? I was on me horse, and I was walking down the pathway. To Baradorn, where the dragons live. Yes, and I heard scuffle, scuffle, scuffle. Okay, what's that? I look up, and I see this thing kind of hunched over and looking down at me. There was like a little ledge, about six or eight feet above me. Which isn't that far. That's why I could hear it right away. And I was taken aback. And I kind of galloped the horse away from him and turned around to watch. I had never seen one before, and he looked like he could do some damage. Things are running through your head really quick, like, what do I do? What should I do? You know, and as a nobleman, you follow noble acts. You don't attack something unless there's a damn good reason to. And this is what I was deciding, whether or not there was a reason to be worried. So then 
he notices that I'm on the edge. Rarati is picking up my vibes and yeah. worry. And then he does its little bird-like thing. It tilts its head to the side like that, you know. And then I go, okay, he's curious. I mean, I can tell these other things from him. And he's as curious about me as I am him. And it didn't look like he was ready to attack. No. He did like a little um, climbing down from the wall thing, you know. And he's like really slow, like. And he, you know he was heading towards you? But it wasn't an aggressive move. It wasn't like he was scurrying down the thing to get you before you get him. So, you know, you're really watching him, you know. You're watching very carefully. I'm slightly backing up the horse. Then he sort of almost beckoned me to come closer to him. That's when I thought, okay, well, have me sword on me hand just in case I have to lop its head off. So I got on off the horse. I slowly walked toward him. And he reached out the claw, you know, and then you feel like, okay, he wants something. And then when he touched me, I was able to hear its thoughts. Where did he touch you? Right here. On your head? Yes. So he was that close to you? Oh, yeah. That was quite an act of faith on your part. Well, yes. I decided I'd go with a weapon just in case. And there's something about his attitude and his body language that told me that he wasn't off to, to hurt me. So, what did he say? Uh, he explained what he was. I'm a bird man, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. a bird person. He showed me pictures in my head of his children, his wife, how they live, and that they're not warring creatures for the most part. Uh, they just go about their own business and do their own thing. So, I imagine he allowed you to pass safely through his territory. Basically, they're just saying, you know, hey, I, we live in this area, you're going through, hello, what are you doing, what's, what's your purpose? Well, well, I'm heading to the dragons. And... and as soon as he heard that, he let you go through immediately. Yes. How many of them are there? There's not that many. Way less than a hundred. Because what people don't know about, they decide to go ahead and act first. Yes, sadly. And ask questions later. It's time for our final segment, Ask Mr. E. Today, Mr. E answers two questions you recorded especially for him, so let's get started. Our first question is from Patricia. Hello, this is Patricia. When I was very little, I think about seven or eight, I turned around and looked upon my bed, and there were four very little people. Now, what was interesting is they were dressed in cowboy clothes and cowboy hats. And what's also more interesting is they were playing poker. I knew not to disturb them. I laid very still because at first I was actually frightened by them. But I kept watching them play, and it went for a very long time, and I know I was not asleep. I know I wasn't. They were so little. They were about maybe six inches tall, not very big. They were very serious about their game as they sat sprawled out on my bed blanket. I will always remember that. I'm an artist, and someday I wish to paint that scene that I remember. Okay, I've got a couple questions. Yes. First of all, it's very amusing. Well, yes, typical fairy behavior, yes. What were they doing dressed as cowboys? Well, um, you know, sometimes because the uh, the little ones go in between the two realms quite often, right? You know, they like to have fun with what they see, right? And so they let's play cowboys and poker. This is right out of a western. 
character. All right, exactly. They wanted to be like they were in a Western and they were playing this game and they were trying to be like a human, but not. I see. They were having a human experience. Exactly. This sounds exactly like brownies to me. Oh, definitely. It's definitely a brownie thing. They're the ones that are most curious and mischievous and jovial type. Pixies are also very curious, but not quite in this way. They've got a little extra twist in their... Sort of like causing a little trouble in a way. Yes, exactly. Uh Just a little bit. Nothing dramatic. No, nobody was harmed doing this. She was a little scared, obviously. Were they actually in her world, or was she just able to see them? She was able to see them into their world and how the two worlds actually work together, see. In their world, they're on something that happens to be the same height as her bed. So they dressed up and they were having a human experience, but they weren't actually in the human world. No, they've seen the human world and they mimic that if they like to. If they yeah. like, whether they see something in humans they like, they'll try it on. Uh, you know, so that's what it was. That's very funny. It might have been like, uh, oh, it's cowboy day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So let's be cowboys and play some poker. They'd have to go to a lot of trouble to make the outfits for this one event they're having. Well, it's not just one event. They'll probably do it more than one time. Yeah, yeah. You know, it'll be reused right. over and over again for I a see. cowboy day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the kind of thing they, they the would, do. would do. Yes. It's, they'd have a cowboy day. You know, they like to make their own events. They like theme days? Yes, they're very old and very much into themes. Themes is like a big thing with brownies. That's so funny, and it gives a lot of insight into who brownies are. They are very inspired by what they see. Brownies who are not around humans very much, you will notice that they're inspired by nature, Uh and then they'll wear more natural clothes instead of more like human clothes. They'll have a leaf pattern in it. They'll incorporate nature into it. It all depends on what they're influenced by. Their surroundings. And, yes, their surroundings. And they're very influenced by everything they see and, and experience. It's so cute. They're wonderful people. Our second and final question today is from Dragonfly. Hello, Anne. I hope you have been doing well. I know things haven't been going too swell for you guys, so you know I'm sending positive energy to you guys. I was wondering if the Fae can attach to something physically in our realm, like a stone or a wing that, I don't know, I'm not too good at explaining things. First of all, Dragonfly, thank you for your positive energy. We really appreciate it. And second of all, I think you explained it pretty well. This is a question we have gotten a lot from people over the years. Here's my discussion with Mr. E on this subject. Okay, so you heard the question. What do you think about it? Well, there are two things. One. There is a particular type of stone which has, like, the fairy energy in it is one thing. There are stones like that. Are you talking about green quartz? Uh, yes. They have stones that help you adjust to the fairy realm and to be able to be with them a little bit. But there is another thing back in the day where they had certain jinns and other things. You're referring to a jinn or a genie-type being. Yes, and that's a different situation. That is where they have taken a fairy and attached it to a stone, and therefore it, it will go wherever the stone goes. Basically, it's trapped. It's like sticking a ball and chain around somebody's ankle, and they have to be with that ball and chain forever. 
This is high magic. Oh, yes. And something that very few humans could do. So it's not likely to be found in this world originally. Right. No, it wouldn't be something that humans would be able to do. You know, a few, maybe a handful on this earth really knows the craft well enough to be able to do something like that. But then why would they want to? When I interviewed Queen Emerald, the pixie queen of Finn, she said the same exact thing. Even if you can do this, why would you want to? Yes, and then you're looking at the pixie or the brownie or whatever you've decided to attach to that stone. You're looking at him and them without respect. Yeah. And that is not a good thing. There'll never be a happy person attached to that stone. Right, exactly. You know, this is a cruel thing you do. This comes up a lot because people sometimes offer these types of things for sale. I believe they are fake. Oh, it's still most absolutely definitely fake. I don't think the people that buy this type of thing understand what having a fae attached to an object really means. If they did, I don't think they would want one. Exactly. If it was real, whatever's attached to it is not very happy, isn't happy with you for purchasing it. Right, exactly. It's a bad, it's a bad thing. It really is. Yeah. So thanks for asking this question, Dragonfly. I'm not sure if we answered the question you originally had in mind, but it gave us the opportunity to talk about this important subject and some aspects to owning a piece of jewelry like this that most people would not have considered. That concludes our eighth podcast. Thank you for joining us today, and thank you for your wonderful questions. If we didn't answer your question today, stay tuned and we'll most likely answer it in a future podcast. To ask a question, please go to our website, realfairies.net, and look for the podcast tab. There, you'll find a very easy way to record your question. More from Mr. E, Queen Emerald, and Thorn of Baradorn can be found in our upcoming book, Interviews from the Fairy Realm, due out soon. You can sign up to be notified when it's available on our website. If you enjoyed this podcast, you'll probably enjoy being part of our closed Facebook group. Just search for Real Fairies Group, and you'll be sure to find us. Thanks again, everyone. We look forward to seeing you next time.